This is Family Office Intel at Dentons, the place where we discuss developments currently shaping the industry and actionable ideas for advisors, executives, and families. We share uncommon knowledge from insiders for the modern family office. I'm Edward Marshall, global head of family office here at the firm. Today, we have uh, Debbie Little and Sam Braver as our, our two guests are coming uh, back on the podcast to talk about an interesting update uh, from their end. Let me get a little about their backgrounds to, before we get started. Debbie's a partner uh, at Denton's in our trust and estates litigation practice. She's got over 30 years of experience in commercial lit- litigation, uh, as well as co-located in our Pittsburgh and Naples offices. During the early years of her legal career, she concentrated on insurance coverage actions in the environmental context and products liability litigation in the medical device, pharmaceutical, and automotive industries. Uh, Sam, uh, Sam Braver, has over four decades of experience trying highly complex cases in state and federal courts throughout the United States. He's represented a wide variety of commercial and financial institutions in state and federal courts uh, throughout the U.S. regarding complex lending issues, complex commercial litigation, and IP issues, as well as sophisticated probate and trust litigation. Today, our uh, discussion will focus on a recent uh, event at the Pennsylvania Supreme Court concerning fiduciary privilege and the fiduciary privilege exception. And what does that mean for clients in Pennsylvania, Florida, and beyond? So Debbie, let's, uh, let's get started with some background on this. Tell us about the Supreme Court decision uh, with respect to this exception for, uh, fiduci- for privilege. Why is this important? Sure. Well, um, Eddie, practitioners were on the lookout for this decision because prior to taking up the McClear case, um, the only guidance we had on this issue in Pennsylvania was the Follinsby case, which was a common police court decision, not an appellate decision, and it was quite controversial. Um, And the issue really is whether because the client is a fiduciary, there should be some exception to the attorney-client privilege or the work product doctrine to allow the beneficiary to obtain the fiduciary's um, confidential communications with the fiduciary's attorney, with the trust trust attorney. And unfortunately, we still have no real answer in Pennsylvania because the uh, Supreme Court on this McClear case only had seven judges participating. Um, three would continue to follow Follinsby. Um, but that's not enough votes to constitute a decision of the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. So the decision of the Pennsylvania Superior Court uh, stands. But the, the three judges um, uh, in, in the one opinion would follow Fallensby and say that the fiduciary has to produce privileged and work product communications unless the fiduciary, the trustee, paid for it themselves. Um, and two others uh, joined in a separate opinion uh, that didn't like that bright line test, um, but um, they would certainly be influenced, I'm sure, if the trustee paid for the advice themselves, that would be to them an indicia that this is more than just straight up pure trust administration, but this you know, pertained to some issue where the trustee really needed to get um, legal advice for its own protection, not just to protect the trust and the beneficiary. Um, And then Justice Saylor uh, wrote a third opinion that said it really should be up to the legislature 
because um, privilege is codified in Pennsylvania, it's a statute, um, and there are also codified exceptions. And his view was if there should be an exception in this context between a fiduciary and a beneficiary, that should be enacted by the legislature as well. So, you know, after awaiting this um, a clear decision for so long, um, we really didn't get a decision and it's still um, very much an open question in Pennsylvania, although you do have three justices who would certainly say if the trustee wants to protect this advice from disclosure, the trustee should pay for it. And two others who wouldn't require that, um, but would certainly be influenced by that. And then Justice Saylor is stepping down from the court and he's going to be replaced. So, you know, once we have a replacement for Justice Saylor and once we have, um, I mean, if another decision comes up to the Supreme Court, we might finally get an answer. But in the meantime, it's still an open question in Pennsylvania, very much so. So, Sam, why is it so important as to who's paying for the legal services? I mean, is there any other context or are there cases in different areas of the law that would help set precedent for this type of thinking by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court? The, the significance of who's paying, but for the three judges, Ed, um, creates uh, a, a, a controversy between, in my view, the um, rules of professional responsibility and, uh, and very established and entrenched policy decisions. Determining ownership of that privilege based upon who pays runs a file of the concept of having independence of lawyers uh, to client, regardless of who recommends, refers, or pays. You can't interfere with that independent judgment. A trustee or fiduciary has a duty to uh, faithfully uh, administer the trust consistent with the trust provisions um, and accordance with the law. And those that law and the various trust provisions may impact beneficiaries differently depending upon the circumstances. And that advice can't be influenced by who uh, pays and you want full and fair disclosure to the, to the, by the trustee to the lawyer in order to get advice. So this concept with these th uh, three justices and it's, it's a seven, Supreme, seven justice Supreme Court um, and the one judge didn't participate. So directing it by who pays uh, is just inconsistent, not only with the rules of professional responsibility where the trust, where the lawyer owes the duty uh, independent and um, fully to the client, it also runs a file when you look at the uh, policies and provisions of the applicable trust code. A trustee has the right to use funds to administer the trust, hire agents, uh, and seek uh, and, and from the trust. So that concept uh, is just running a file of so many policy um, principles and established within the Commonwealth. Uh, and as Deb, uh, Deb said, uh, Justice Saylor's uh, approach to this of balancing uh, of these various policy considerations should come from a, a legislative body, as other um, states have done. So it's important to those three. But beyond that, 
uh, of saying that that um, privilege of attorney-client communication and being able to seek uh, the full um, advice and be able to make decisions on complicated trust matters uh, or otherwise uh, be concerned uh, that the trustee might not be giving uh, full disclosure to the lawyer to get that advice and chill at and deter it um, is, uh, is something that uh, is, just can't uh, be reconciled with very strong competing interests. Uh, so to those, to those three, it's important. It's important not to tie the privilege to the pocketbook. Um, and that's um, where you see the other two justices um, who took the other approach and Justice Saylor, as Deb mentioned, saying uh, we can't go that route. And the softball issue that was before the court, they just kicked down the road. Um, and that's what's uh, more frustrating and, uh, and important because we don't have a directive from an appellate court as to what is or is not the fiduciary uh, exception to the attorney-client privilege in Pennsylvania. Debbie, you know, Sam mentioned that the ball is now in the court potentially of the legislature. I mean, what's, uh, where, what does that look like? Uh, is anyone particu particularly uh, raise their hand that they want to take a look at this issue on that end? I don't know that any um, legislators have um, taken up the ball, Eddie, but certainly in other states, um, there are statutes um, and in particular in Florida, um, there is a statute that specifically says those, there's no fiduciary exception if it's uh, a privileged communication or attorney work product, the beneficiaries don't get access to it. Um, there's exceptions to that for, you know, if the, if the attorney was assisting the client to perpetrate a crime or a fraud, but outside of that, um, and Florida's not alone, um, there are states where there are statutes and Pennsylvania could get one, but I don't know that anyone has taken up the cause in our legislature. I would, I would agree. Uh, just to add a footnote to that uh, as to what Deb said in the, uh, in the Mac, uh, McLear opinion, there is a, um, references in at least two of the three, uh, opinions that were offered, um, that the Pennsylvania Bakers Association, which was the submitted a uh, brief for the friend of the court, uh, suggested that the uh, privilege uh, be uh, the attorney-client privilege uh, uh, not be uh, uh, violated or contravened by who pays in this context, because the need for corporate fiduciaries either sitting as the uh, sole, sole trustee or co-trustee, the significance of the need and complex issues of uh, uh, being able to obtain advice um, where there are differences among um, beneficiary, uh, depending upon the uh, circumstances, complex tax issues, that might lead to um, lobbying efforts to uh, protect the privilege by statute. Uh, but none of the players uh, that were in this case, uh, the real players, um, will be taking up the ball. So we will sit with the legislature 
hopefully uh, the Pennsylvania legislature will uh, see what a, no a vast number of states have done. And even the uh, state uh, in, in that upon which the Follinsby decision that uh, Debbie referenced uh, that was quite controversial, it relied on a, uh, a case out of Delaware and Delaware uh, has since uh, uh, come up with a statute that protects the privilege, certainly where there is a, um, a situation where there is litigation or anticipated litigation between the trustee and the beneficiaries. The privilege is protected and the fiduciary exception, regardless of who pays, is not recognized. Deb, one of the issues uh, that Justice Saylor raised is that there might be some unintended consequences. You and Sam have covered a couple of them. Are there any others that, are, that, are, that come to mind uh, for a situation like this, at least in, in the Pennsylvania case? Well, the, the real unintended consequences are that this will deter people from wanting to be a trustee in the first place, um, especially an individual who doesn't have the pocketbook to pay attorney's fees. Um, and it'll also deter trustees, whether corporate or individual, uh, from seeking legal advice or from totally confiding, you know, all the facts to the attorney who's giving the advice. Those are the real consequences of the um, of the opinion by three of the justices. In this day and age, we have you know, significant complex uh, trust issues, be it tax, be it uh, um, issues that might pertain to um, the corpus of the trust and requiring a, um, a fiduciary to pay for out of its own pocket is just an impractical uh, approach and when you have complex administration matters. Uh, the whole goal would be to be able to administer this trust in the best interest of the beneficiaries consistent with the, the trust provisions. And that's where a full discussion with independent counsel, not tied to who pays, because um, it, it, the, the beneficiaries don't own the own the trust funds. Uh, they have a, um, a equitable right to benefit from it, but it's not their funds to um, tie a, a privilege to. So in this day and age um, with complex issues uh, that impact administration on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, the, the chilling effect as Debbie described are, are, are just too important. Um, to tie this to the purse strings of, of where the dollars come from for the opinion. For people that are in this um, situation, you know, Debbie and Sam, I'll ask both of you this question. What advice would you have uh, for them, for, you know, either for the trustees who want to maintain privilege uh, and, and have that open communication with counsel as part of this? Well, the, the trustees should do a, a number of things Eddie, when they receive a discovery request, they should object to the discovery. They should seek a protective order. They should prepare a, a robust privilege log explaining why the documents are being withheld. Um, and if they can honestly and truthfully characterize the 
legal advice being sought as for the trustee's own protection and the trustee's own benefit, particularly related to some dispute, so that it's clear that it's not just straight up trust administration. Um, that, if that's true, that would help. Uh, seek an in-camera review of the documents uh, where the judge would look at the documents before making a decision. Um, but, you know, if they really want to be sure, um, according to at least three of these justices, they should pay for the advice themselves. And uh, all, of, uh, all of those points are uh, necessary, particularly in the, in, the, in the Pennsylvania situation where we don't have any, any guidance uh, and you've got to do it, otherwise you suffer the um, consequences of what happened in McLear because it wasn't protected along those, those lines and the uh, information was uh, required to be produced without ever getting to um, the establishment of uh, uh, either a fiduciary exception or answering the question that they took up on appeal, does the attorney client privilege and work product protect those communications? Um, but the trustee should also, um, or fiduciary, also remember the tools that it has in its toolkit that the Pennsylvania law does give it the right to use funds to administer the trust, hire agents, seek reimbursement, and expand, expand fees to protect the trust all of which is the competing policy interests of why you don't do this. But in light of the situation of where we are, and I would think that the, depending upon the particular issue, um, you, would, you would be doing this both in, in Pennsylvania and certainly in, in where there are possibly a gray area and uh, unanswered questions, even where you have a statute like in Florida, you utilize the tools that you have in order to protect uh, uh, that which uh, you've sought legal input for so that you're not chilled and that you're not considered waiving anything and you make sure that you take those precautionary steps along the way. Any thoughts on what this could mean for families in Pennsylvania looking to potentially not be in Pennsylvania or relocate as a result of this? Well, um, I think that it certainly might be a factor among others. I'm not sure that you would run to um, Delaware or South Dakota or other um, welcoming states for, for trust solely because of the issue that's open-ended, but you would be going there, whether it's for asset protection, confidentiality, uh, whether you're using... Uh, to um, uh, possibly decant the trust in a particular way, but it might be a factor that you would uh, l list among the reasons of why you would want to uh, possibly consider changing the situs of the trust. I don't think that it would necessarily be the impetus for making the move, but it certainly would be among factors that one might consider assuming that the other factors were of uh, really of a, of a uh, uh, whether it's tax and uh, benefits, rule against perpetuities, whatever it might be. Uh, and, and perpetuities is probably not the, uh, as, as, um, as important as it once was because of the changing statutes, but it would be on the list. I don't think it would be the, it would be the first one on the list. 
thanks Daniel, and, and and thanks Debbie. You know, sure. it, and thanks to all of you for listening in today. If you'd like to get in touch with Debbie or Sam or have any questions, do send us an email to familyoffice@dentons.com. If you enjoyed our conversation, so inclined, uh, subscribe to the channel, review us on podcasts, follow us on Spotify, and keep in touch with us wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. As always, sharing in this episode is very much appreciated and probably the best way you can show your support to sign up for our newsletters and learn more about our solutions and research in the family office space. Check out our website. That's dentons.com forward slash family office. Well, that's it. Bye, everyone. Thank you.